My name's Matt. I'm, I'm one of the pastors, and it's good to have you. Uh, we're honored that you would celebrate with us this morning. Um, and just thank you. I'd love to shake your hand after the service and learn your name. If you're a kid in this room, I know a lot of times you go upstairs and you get to have church that's wired for you and extra fun. Um, thanks for being with us. Truth is, we're not the same if you're not in the room. And we are better when you're with us. And so if you feel a little squirrely, that's okay. Us adults do too. Uh, if, if you look out there, we're not hiding it. So um, just thanks for worshiping with us and being patient with us. Uh, it, it's, it's great to be together. So we're, we're starting a new series on this Easter called I Am. And we're looking at the different things that Jesus declared that he was. Because one of the things that happens in our, in our world is we get dizzy, confused, and, and lose track of who Jesus actually is and how that actually matters in our real life, right? And so nothing better to go to than to who Jesus actually says that he was. Who he actually says that he is, because he says, I am. It's not a temporary thing, right? And so the one that we're looking at today is, I am the resurrection and the life. Now here's the deal with that. It matters when Jesus says it, right? And if you had asked just random people who know this verse when he said it, we would probably say, he said it after he came out of the grave. That would make sense. He came out of the grave, they're like, whoa, I thought you were dead. And he's like, no. I had already told you, I'm the resurrection and the life. That would make sense, right? That's not when he said it. And so we're going to look at when it actually was said, and we're going to look at Easter morning, and we're going to trust that Jesus meets us in this space, okay? So let's pray together and, and ask Jesus to speak. Thanks for your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in the room. Thank you that you speak louder than the weed whippers outside and all the distractions that happen. Jesus, thank you that you endured what you endured. But thank you that you're alive. And you're alive in this space. And because of that, may we inherit all that you have for us. We ask that you'd speak clearly, not just to our minds, but to our hearts that we might be transformed by you. I pray this in your name. Amen. So a week or so before Passover, Jesus was walking down the road, and he was met by Martha. And Martha was grieving. Martha was grieving that Lazarus had just died. Lazarus is Martha's brother. Jesus was friends with Martha and Lazarus. And part of what was going on in her is she knew that Jesus wasn't far away. Jesus was near enough that word had gotten to him that Lazarus was sick. And if Jesus wanted to, Jesus could have come and been with Martha when Lazarus was sick. Jesus could have had words with Lazarus. And she knows Jesus. Jesus could have healed Lazarus. 
And so when Martha walks down the road, she walks with all of those emotions. You ever have one of those walks? Why didn't you comfort when I needed comfort? Why didn't you heal when I needed healing? And why now, after Lazarus is dead, why are you giving us your presence now? It feels like Jesus is about a minute or two too late. I think some of us have lived in that space a little bit. He could have spared some pain. But now that grief had come near, Jesus came near as well. And in this, in this situation, Jesus says these words. He says to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So what's being said here? What's actually being said? Gee, Lazarus is about to be raised. M many of us who, who know the story know that Jesus is going to go to the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, time to get up. And Lazarus, the person who's dead, like unrolls all the, the cloth and gets up. But it's 2019 right now. And Lazarus isn't still here. I don't know if you know that. Like you've never run across him at a Starbucks. Lazarus died and Jesus brought him back from the grave. And then at some point, Lazarus died again. So this resurrection wasn't just this thing about Lazarus coming back to life. It wasn't just about even our bodies dying. So what is this claim that I am the resurrection and can Jesus really back it up? So this is Easter Sunday. And we're celebrating a different resurrection, right? We're celebrating that Jesus is back from death. And many of us wonder, like, how, how did this happen? They wondered it then. We wonder it now. So I, I, to explain it, i got to tell you a little bit about me. Not that I'm anything like Jesus. But, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of like magic a little bit. I kind of like magic. Anybody else kind of like magic? I feel a little embarrassed about it because when I was a kid and I liked magic, the cool kids who beat me up didn't like magic. <laughs> Not never did any magic, but I think magic's pretty cool. Like when somebody pulls some trick, I don't want to know how it was done, and then I do want to know how it's done. You know what I mean? I live in that tension that's much less important than any of the other tensions we live in. And so there's something that happens, and you're like, whoa, that was incredible. That was magic. And then you find out it was a trick. It was just a really good trick. And now they got all these shows on TV that, that Durant and I will watch. These shows about like how magic tricks happen. And they spoil it. And I still watch. And you see some trick that you're like, that's the coolest trick ever. And, and it turns out that the person, like the magician with the handcuffs and all this kind of stuff, they, they like dislocate their thumb and get out some weird way. And like, no, that's commitment I don't have, and that's gross, and that's cheating. The person who put them on should have known that you were going to do that. They're accomplices. That's cheating. Or you see something where they're like, they're put in a box, and the box has all these locks on top, and they're, they're hovered over some crocodiles and fire. And then they just got a trap door on the backside of it. They get out of the trap door, change clothes, and... 
They go act like a waiter on the side, and they're like, hey, look at me. And everyone's like, hey, I thought you were in the box. No, came out the trap door. It's cheating. Or they're in the box that gets filled with water, and you find out the man was born with gills, and you can hang out there all day. It's not fair. It's all cheating. It's all a trick. Well, the reason I say all this is that is what Romans were thinking at the time of Jesus. Romans thought that Jesus must have been some kind of trick. They knew he was different. They knew that he could say to Lazarus, who they thought was dead, that he could say, Lazarus, come out of the grave, and Lazarus would come out of the grave. And they're like, oh, there's something here. And they couldn't handle the idea of Jesus being just that powerful. And then there's Jesus who says, in three days I'm going I'm to come out of the grave. And there's Jesus who goes before the judges and doesn't defend himself. Who just speaks. And then this all-powerful Jesus is whipped and scorned and put on a cross. And the things that Jesus says at that point is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At that point is when he says, I'm, I'm thirsty. And at that point, Jesus says, it is finished. And Rome's like, oh, he's up to something. Something is going to happen. If you don't believe me, believe Matthew, the other Matthew. Right? I'm going to start going, don't call me Matt, I'm Matthew. Hear this, verse 62. The next day, this is after Jesus is buried. After the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember... What that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead, and the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go. Make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. I rolled this giant stone in front of Jesus because they watched him die. And they pierced his side and saw blood and water separate, showing he's dead. They made sure that he was dead. Then they wrapped him up and put him in a tomb. And they're like, finally, let's put that giant stone that nobody can move. Let's put that in front of him because that dead guy really scares us. And he's up to something. And it must be a trick of some kind. His disciples are going to come steal him and lie about him. That's what they were sure. These little fishermen are all of a sudden going to rent some courage. Go move him somewhere and hide his body. But there's, this wasn't a trick. Jesus was dead. Like dead, dead. Like not breathing dead. Like, like spear in the side, dead. Like when they put the spear in his side, the blood and the water ran different, dead. Like wrapped in burial cloths, and then they were bringing flowers and incense because he was about to smell different dead. Like I'm not trying to rip on the divine Jesus, but we've got to be honest that he was like dead, dead. Right? That matters. There's no trickery. Jesus died. And into this setting... 
where there's a giant stone in front and there's disciples terrified and discouraged and the son of God is dead into this setting we pick up this story early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple and one of whom Jesus loved and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him you go forward a few verses it says that Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in there in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping she said to them, they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Let's pause for a second. The way that bodies are handled really, really matters. And so we've got Romans afraid that the disciples are going to steal the body. And then Mary goes and they're like, we can't even care for our Lord. We can't even grieve the way that we need to grieve because they stole him. And when she builds up the courage to look inside, there are angels. Think on that. Angels that she sees. Why are you weeping? They have not taken away my Lord, and I uh, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir. If you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. You see, she'd heard him call his na her name before. And when Jesus, suited up like a gardener, calls her name, she knows that voice. Oh. That's my teacher. There you are. She didn't know to look in the garden. It's quite something that it's in a garden that everything is restored, right? It's quite something that where everything was lost, everything is now found again. So she looked in this tomb and he wasn't there. This humble gardener stood Jesus calling Mary by name, he was risen, and he is risen still. Now this death was real, and this resurrection is real. His death was no trick, but those who think Jesus got himself out, well, there is a little trick to this, and we need to be honest, but what scripture says here, his body wasn't stolen, they didn't bake it and like weekend at Bernie's or something like that. Like it was nothing like that. But there was a little bit of a trick to the resurrection. You, you want to know what it is? We, we actually sang about it. You see, we say he is risen. That's kind of true. It's kind of true. He is technically risen. But when it comes to getting out of the grave, Jesus didn't do it. 
When Jesus says it is finished, he was talking about his job. It's finished. He is risen, but the correct theological way to say it is he was risen and is now reigning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me, let me show you. In Romans 8, 11, it says this. So the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Here's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit came and breathed life into the body of Christ. And Christ became the resurrection and the life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't muster up some strength. He didn't fight off thousands of people. He, didn't, he did his part, said it is finished, and the Holy Spirit came and did what the Holy Spirit does. Now, why does this matter so much? I think this, if we miss this, I think we miss the gospel. Come on. And here's why I say it matters so much. Death is all around us. Yeah. Physical death. Yeah. Death of innocence, yeah. of dreams, of hopes. It doesn't take long for for the kingdom of God in our life to be sealed in a tomb and for just time to grow around it and make it look like that is the way that life is to be. And if Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life, it matters how he rose because that is how we rise into the kingdom. If he flexed his muscles, if he found an escape hatch to the tomb, if he had developed some like formula that allowed his breathing to stop and the blood and water to part and all that, if he had like done some kind of magic trick and got himself out of it, then what is required of you and me is the same magic trick. He flexed his muscles, so you got to flex yours. And that's the good news. That is not the good news of my risen Savior. Jesus said it is finished. And then in death, Waited, and the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit brought him back to life. On the cross, he knew what was coming, and he trusted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit did work in and around Jesus. And so when he says, I am the resurrection and the life for you and for me, what he says is inherit it the same way that I did. Know the promises of God. And then wait for the Holy Spirit to move within and around you to bring things back to life. This, this is the resurrection. This is God's kingdom breaking through to redeem and reconcile. So now for you, what tombs do you find yourself at? Where is it that you're scared to look in? What is it that God once spoke life to in you that you're just running from? Afraid that you won't find Jesus there. What within you needs resurrection? Is it hope? Are you one of the many people who say hope is for the kids? And then when we start to limp through life, we kind of give up hope? Are you someone who 
who believed joy was for you when you were young, and then when you got more experience, you just gave up joy for one Lent and never picked it back up? What is it that needs to be uh, resurrected in you? What within you has died? Is it some dreams you have for your family? Your family took a turn away from the direction you thought, and so just all the dreams are gone. Or your marriage, your friendships. Did God give you a vision of how he wanted to use you in the world, and then you disqualified yourself by some stuff that you had done, and you can't get past it? And so you're just stuck. That date is in the grave. And you're like, at that day, my dream died. Is that where you're at? Some redemption of your past? But what if? What if when you wake up early? And what if when you have that mix of anticipation and routine, what if you dared to look to where you thought everything was dead? And what if you met Jesus there? And what if Jesus spoke to you by name? I don't think he's changed. I think he says he's the resurrection and the life, and today he intends to be the resurrection and the life. I think we celebrate today a past event that is still happening. That he is still the resurrection. He is still the life. So Martha loved her brother, right? Back to the beginning. Loved her brother. She had this loss. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he looks at her and says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now, we might have heard before that he's the resurrection and the life. This is pretty new. And so she's got a brother in the grave and her teacher in front of her who says, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? You know how... Martha answers. Uh, Martha doesn't have it in her to say, I believe you're the resurrection and the life. What she says is, I believe you. There's a resurrection and life. I don't know. She answers some other things. She speaks to some other things. But the actual resurrection in her life, in the circumstances of losing her brother, the actual life in the face of death, I don't know about that, but I believe you, Jesus. And here's what I want you to know today. That was enough. That was enough. Martha says, I believe you, Jesus. And then Jesus follows Mary and Martha, cries with them, and calls Lazarus out of the grave. Some of you, when we're looking at the hope of your family being restored, or your marriage being restored, or your past being healed and finally moving past it, or... or healing from depression and anxiety and all these things. You think, I don't, I don't even know if I could say the words. Okay. And he'll ask, do, do you believe? But he holds you and me tenderly. And sometimes us looking in the tomb at what we thought was dead and sometimes us just simply saying, I believe in you is enough. For us this Easter, he's risen. And the same power that raised him from the dead is in me. Yeah. 
same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And what might he be bringing life to? My response, I know, because I've been dwelling on this for a while. My response is to be like Mary and meet him in the morning, ready for what waits. And to be like Martha and answer honestly where my heart is and in both ways watch and see and recognize as Jesus reveals how he is the resurrection and the life. And as he does that, just add my amen. So for you, for you, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. Let me say that again, because I think we formally believe in that, but functionally in the way that we live, we're like, nah, not really. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives within those of you who believe. That's the requirement. Not that you believe well. Now that you are, not that you always act like you believe. That's all stuff we put on each other. He says, for those of you who can look at him and say, I don't know about this resurrection in life. I don't know what it means for my depression. I don't know what it means for my family. I don't know what it means for my job. For I don't know what it means for all these emotions that I have, but I believe you, Jesus. And here's what I have. For those of you who say that, then he is, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And that resurrection power that brought life to Jesus' dead bones lives within you and certainly certainly can handle your insecurity. The one who raised Jesus who'd been dead for three days can certainly, certainly handle your negative thoughts. Certainly can wake you up in the morning. Certainly can restore your joy, your hope, your dreaming in your life. When Jesus comes back from the dead and is alive today and calls you, how will you answer? This isn't a theoretical question because he's risen. He's risen. So this morning, in this time, as the worship team gets ready, we're about to, I'm actually going to stop talking for a minute. Yeah, the applause comes from that. Look at that. First time Wayne's ever clapped for me is when I said I'd stop. Even the white people are hollering. Look at that. (laughs) If Jesus is really risen and alive and active, and if he's still calling our name this morning, if he's the one who urged you to come into this place, not to hear me, not, not to wear our eyes that see shirts, not to have a band, not to shake hands and eat a donut, but to experience and encounter him. As Jesus calls your name, I'm not going to say if, as Jesus calls your name in this moment, in this moment, what will you do? And is that Jesus who is the resurrection and who is the life invites you to take a look at him? Where is it that he might bring life to those dead bones?
resurrection to what, what you once thought was gone and in a way. As we live in this reality today and beyond, let me remind you, you are transformed because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me pray over us. If, if you don't know this for yourself, we're not going to assume it. If you theoretically know about the idea of Jesus, but you've never looked into that tomb, you've never said, hey, I do believe. Or if you're struggling with the courage to do that right now, I want to encourage you. There's going to be some leaders up here to to talk to and pray with. Um, We even have a room over here. If you need to have like a conversation about it, there's a room in the back where we can go have a conversation. But don't leave this Easter without leaning on the faith of your brothers and sisters. There's nothing magic about them praying for you. The power is in the fact that he's risen, right? So let's let's pray and continue to worship in song. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that in this room, we have had 50,000 different versions of who you are in our mind. And you've been patient with us. And we have 50,000 different circumstances and struggles and places where death feels like it's getting the last word. But I thank you that you are alive. And because of your Holy Spirit, you are alive in us. And so for that person in the room who, who feels just discouragement heavy, would you be present and near and alive? For that person who surrendered so much to death, would you be resurrection in them? Would you restore joy and hope and life? And may your kingdom come and your will be done right here at Fourth and Oak. Right here in these seats, right here in this neighborhood and in this city, just like it is in heaven. Because you're risen. 